0: touch that dial, the Growing Boulder Radio Show is on the air, celebrating a revolution that will change your life. Here are your hosts, Bill Schaefer and Mark Middleton. And we have a suite in the Hotel California for you now, folks, because our next guest was a member of one of the greatest rock bands of all time. In fact, their greatest hits album is the top-selling album in the history of recorded music.
1: And, you know, everybody knows about the band, but something very bizarre has happened that just doesn't fit. It doesn't sound right, because in 2001, our next guest was fired from his own band. I don't, I don't get that. And that's what led to his book called Heaven and Hell, My Life in the eagles let's find out from don felder what's going on hey don how you doing
2: hey mark hey bill how are you there Hold on,
1: we're great thank you what are you up to today man what's going on with you
2: oh not much uh i've been doing a bunch of corporate shows uh, i got a band of my own trying to promote this book uh, about halfway through a cd trying to play some golf for charity and other than that not much is going on
1: what kind of tunes you playing don
2: uh it, it depends. In my corporate show I do some eagle stuff, I do some stuff off my solo record, I do some covers, it's just a big party for about an hour and a half. And uh, on my CD that I'm writing now, it's kind of
1: all over the map right now. Good, looking forward to that.
0: Uh Before we get into your book and the controversy a little bit, we played Hotel California uh, on our rejoinder here, if you will, and uh, one of your most visible contributions to the group was that song, uh, the biggest hit the band ever had, and that is saying something, and you're the guy who wrote it. Is it true that Don Henley and Glenn Frey didn't even like the song when they first heard it?
2: I don't know if I'd go that far. Uh, I think they... I had made a basic cassette or a basic track and put it on cassette of all the music, and there were about 15 or 16 other pieces of music on it. We were writing for that album, which was later entitled uh, Hotel California, and I gave everybody in the band uh, copies of the cassettes, and Don Henley really kind of attached himself to that. I think he called it Mexican reggae, (laughs) Mexican bolero or something. It was sort of a a working title at the time, and then... uh, we decided we would cut a basic track on it and try to write some lyrics to it. So, you know, I think Don really latched on to it, maybe more so than Glenn.
1: Hmm. Hey, Don, you grew up in Gainesville, Florida? I did, yeah. Now, isn't that the coolest place in the world? I mean, Tom Petty's from there, uh, the Allman Brothers, I think Steven Stills, too. Did you know any of those guys growing up?
2: I, I knew all of those guys growing up. Oh, wow. Ron and I were in a band when we were about 14 or 15, I think, and... Uh, little skinny buck teeth scraggly haired Tommy Petty used to come in and take guitar lessons now that I think about it he still kind of looks like that <laughs> but, he, he uh, took
1: guitar uh, lessons from you I'm sorry what? He, he took guitar lessons from you yeah
2: I taught him guitar he was actually playing bass at the time in this little band called the Rucker Brothers band and so he wanted to develop his guitar skills so I taught him guitar and then the Alman brothers' mother used to live in Daytona Beach, so they were over there all during the summers uh, working the strips, uh, strip joints on the beach, like we were when all the fraternities were out at the university. We'd go over and work there in the summer, so we became friends over there. I think we were in even a couple of battles of the band together, which my band lost. They always won, so man but my first experience of watching anybody play slide guitar was with Duane in his mom's house in Daytona. You know,
0: I think all high school bands have visions of grandeur, or you wouldn't be doing it. Did, did any of you have any idea what the future would hold for all of you?
2: No, not really. And, you know, literally until the very end of 1999, we were getting together to do a Millennium Concert show. And uh, at the time, we were called together a big press conference, and the RIAA had presented us that award for the largest-selling album of the 20th century, and nobody really had been keeping track of how many records we had sold or what was going on, and it just hit me in the forehead like a Louisville slugger, the magnitude of what we had done.
1: All right, Don, let's go ahead and dive into what's going on now, speaking of getting hit in the head by a ball bat, because I uh, (laughs) I think maybe I'm about to think a little bit less of one of my favorite bands. How do you end up getting kicked out of your own band?
2: Well, you know, um, I think there was always a lot of difficulty in over creative, um, uh, creative discussions. Uh, but
1: but see, Don, I, I get that with bands that are like one-hit wonders or they're really struggling to find the next, uh-huh. you know, the next piece or the next bit of direction. But this band's made millions and millions. What are they, what are they fighting over? You know, little bits for? Isn't it? Isn't it a group?
2: Yeah, well, it it was. When we first started in the 70s, it was sort of all for one and one for all, and everybody put their shoulder into it as a team, and what, literally whatever it took to make the best record, the best tour, to make the band the best it could be, the best songs, everything, was what we all kind of gave ourselves to. And uh, the larger the money numbers became, the less friendships and the more, I guess, Stockholder, shareholder, associates, uh, everyone became. And uh, the greed, power, and control element, just because you're in a rock band, you're not exempt from those uh, particular human traits. So uh, it was interesting to watch all that take place.
0: And that, of course, uh, was in 2001, and now Uh seven years later, your book, Heaven and Hell, is finally published, uh, uh, we should say, uh, seven years and several lawsuits later. Uh, This is a book that Don Henley and Glenn Frey did not want published, did they?
2: Uh, I don't know. You have to ask them that. I uh, never had any conversations directly with them about their feelings about the book or not about the book. So I know it just took a, a lot of legal maneuvering to be able to finally get it published.
1: You need to walk around with a guard? I mean, do you, do you worry about retribution <laughs> from these guys?
2: Well, I always worry about retribution from them, but uh, <laughs> not necessarily from just this book. And do you know,
1: um, Mark, I don't know if you remember this, but on their final concert, I think it was uh, early 80s or whatever, when they had their last show, the whole oh, time...
2: You mean the, the Farewell Tour 1? Oh, yeah. The Farewell Tour, the Farewell
1: or three. You, you, when, when you guys were going at it on stage, you know, talking about what you're going to do to each other, and then after the show, you try, you know, you tried to get at it. You and Glenn Fry.
2: Well, we never really tried to get at it. Uh, really, what, as I recall, which is pretty <laughs> clearly stated in the book, that was a pretty much a total misunderstanding that we were doing a political benefit for a guy named Alan Cranston, who was a senator. I think from California who later turned out to be uh convicted of all sorts of illegal activities to do with the SNL scandal. Uh and I never particularly enjoyed doing political benefits. I don't mind doing benefits for anybody with autism or or cystic fibrosis or heart problems or cancer or kids anything. But I was never really a big fan of doing political fundraisers, and they were. And honestly, in the 70s, I was quite politically illiterate. So I was introduced to Mrs. Cranston, and she said, Oh, it's nice to meet you. I said, It's nice to meet you. And she turned around and walked away, and (laughs) I leaned over to my wife and said, Kind of under my breath, I said, Well, I guess. Oh, boy. And she heard that over her shoulder and turned around and saw me look back at me and glenn watched that whole thing and got just really incest about me showing such little respect to this person i honestly had no idea who she was so he took me backstage into a dressing room and started just reaming me out and so finally i just said hey you know what you're acting like an a- i don't uh I don't particularly deserve that kind of treatment, and I apologize for what I had done, but he just couldn't let it go, and we went on stage and continued to fuel the flames to the fire. So very close to the end of the the night, I told uh, one of my roadies, says, get that old Japanese 12-string and put it by the back door, and I'm going to blow it up. <laughs> I let everybody walk off the stage, and, you know, I waited a couple of beats, and then I walked up behind a grabbed that 12-string and smashed it into this big cement column uh, by the back door of the Long Beach Arena, and when I turned around, there was standing Glenn and Alan Cranston and Don Henley watching me. This guitar, and I thought they had already left the building.
0: It is only rock and roll, but we love it. Don (laughs) Felder's book is Heaven and Hell My Life in the Eagles, folks. Uh, More stories like that inside the pages. In all the world, there's
1: only one. This is the Growing Boulder Radio Show.